the first anniversary edition of Drive-In Devil Feature. I'm Ryan. I'm Nathan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But before we get into any of that other stuff, we have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash drive-in double feature podcast. Just some fun conversations, maybe a couple of games, a guest or two every now and then. Who knows? Just a couple of fun times between us that we like to give something extra to you patrons out there that we appreciate so much. If you don't though, it does not affect any regular content, but if you'd like to support us, head on over there. But today on our very first anniversary edition, we're going to be doing 1981's American Pop directed by Ralph Bakshi that we're doing again. But before we get into that though, Nathan, it's been a year. Can you believe it? I can't believe it a year went by way way too fast but it also feels like a long time ago i don't if you look back at those first episodes like 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 police story or something you're like oh wow we talked about that forever ago and then but also it went by so fast i i don't get it it's like a mix of the two for me i know it's i, I feel the same way because i yeah. i wonder i'm like it's only been a year but it feels like we've been doing this podcast for a long time and i guess that just goes mm-hmm. to show how much fun would you have doing it because yeah doesn't doesn't uh doesn't it never feels like a job or anything like that like i said we've been doing this for a year now and yeah it's i have just as much fun if not more fun than i did from the, the very first episode oh, yeah. I, I seriously look forward to these episodes every week it's just so much fun to, to sit here and talk about some cool movies it, uh and i found some new favorites some new least favorites too you know it's it's a it's a fun mix yeah and i mean like I said, we've talked about it. I mean, we don't have like a, a super wide, uh, demog- you know, like super wide audience, which is fine, you know, because uh, I mean, for me personally, I don't really feel like I get a lot of creative outlets where I can actually have like time to sit and watch movies I never would have or actually get to express my opinions because a lot of times, you know, like it'd be like, you know, you and I would talk or whatever, but it would only be like when we're like out hanging out or whatever, something like mm-hmm. that. So it feels a lot more coherent when, when you're able to actually do something like that. And I actually get to do that fun research because I would do that a lot of times on my own, like for movies is I would go in and research as much as I could about a movie if I really enjoyed it a lot. So now it's like, oh, I can actually do that and I could tell somebody about it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, totally agree. It's just nice to hang out because I think we talked about this before we were even recording when we would talk and be like, oh, we should do a podcast or something. <laughs> uh, no, it's just fun. Though. I, I don't know. It, it's being in a room with somebody that appreciates and enjoys movies just as much as you do and just discussing them is, I don't know, it's just a wonderful feeling. Because, you know, a lot of times too, like when you try to engage with people that aren't in love with movies it's like mm-hmm. they're like oh yeah i like that movie it was good and i'm, and I'm like well why was it good like did you like you know like <laughs> yeah and then yeah. they're just like they're like i don't know it was good or like or like you know you know somebody like name a favorite movie or whatever and they like they struggle to think of like uh i don't know and just, yeah that's why it's always just so 
it's always so nice getting to actually talk to somebody that appreciates them as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love about this is that we do get to discover movies together. And uh, I guess, I guess today's movie was our first, I feel like mutual discovery of like, Oh, wow. What a great movie. Yeah. And if you didn't listen to the explanation I gave on the last episode, this is uh, we kind of did like a practice run, whatever you want to call it on the media boys podcast channel, where we talked about some movies and we did our very first episode was uh, talking about Ralph Bakshi's filmography and, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely some hit or misses out there, but this one was definitely like the clear favorite out of all of them. And we both felt it was appropriate. If we were going to redo an episode, we were going to do like the one from the very first episode. So I'm actually really glad we got to come back and do this one. Yeah, me too. Cause uh, I mean, I've been really wanting to rewatch this movie anyway. So this was a perfect excuse for that. But I guess um, just because that was so long ago on a different podcast, what, yeah. what drew you, draws you to Ralph Bakshi's work? You know, I, at first it was just kind of like, I was on some website or whatever. And they're like, I was like, Oh, like the biggest WTF movies or, you know, like controversial movies or whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. on that list was the movie Fritz the cat and Fritz the cat, if you're not aware is like the, one of the very first like adult theme feature length cartoons and which lewd crude rude whatever you want to describe it as it's all those things and it's a definitely not a kid's movie I'll say that and no I uh, I watched it and at first I was kind of like that was different I'm not really sure if I liked it but it's one of those movies where it just kind of sits in your brain and you're like "Hmm," like let me just rewatch that and then you rewatch it and then it's like each time I watch that one, it's like, I appreciate it more and more each time. And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of this. I mean, a lot of this filmography, I'll just be blunt is about 50% of it is good. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, I think, I think I said this before, but Ralph, like on the last show, but I still hold this, that Ralph Bakshi is like my favorite director that I don't particularly love a lot of his work. I, I think he's such an ambitious person with a lot of big ideas. And I love someone like him because he's such a huge force from the seventies that really tried to usher in mature animation, animation more for adults away from children. Um, and I don't think a lot of his movies work. I think they're cool. I think a lot of them are cool. And there's definitely some really bad ones, but I just like him. I like what he stands for, what he tried to do. And I think, um, I don't know. He's just a really interesting uh, director. Probably one of my favorite animated animation directors for sure. Yeah. And he, he was kind of like one of like the, he's been animating his whole life. He was on like a lot of like old uh, cartoons, like ever since he was like 18. So from like the fifties onwards, he's been involved with cartoons Yeah, and like deputy dog was like another one. Like he's, he's worked on, uh, like uh, those type of things and i think he had like a little bit of a stint where he's worked like i think he worked for hannah Barbera for like a little bit yeah he did yeah well i recently read a book on animation and it had only a short section on him in it 
Um, but yeah, he took over for Hanna-Barbera for a little bit. And then that's kind of when he broke free from that and was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try something a little different. Um, but yeah, he, he's been working on cartoons forever. He still makes like shorts and stuff to this day. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely made some controversial, very much a guy that he takes a lot of aspects from his life and, mm-hmm. um, makes it into like a, into a movie. And he did that with Fritz the Cat, Heavy Traffic, Coonskin, um, a lot of other ones. Um, and But probably, I guess his most famous one is he made the very first adaptation of Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah. And uh, that's, and that one is so different from all the other ones, not in terms of animation, but it's just like, he got Lord of the Rings and this was, before Lord of Rings was even like a thing, like, and now it's like pop culture, like iconic status. And back then it was just like, oh, this is just that book that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote. So yeah, it was like, oh, just fantasy stuff that kids like, you know, maybe not kids like, but you know, it's just fantasy stuff. It's not on the same status. Um, And I mean, that movie in itself, captures Bakshi as well where I think it's doing some cool neat stuff but it, I just don't think it all comes together well but it's just an interesting movie because it's like rotoscoped yeah. and everything it's it's neat yeah and I'm glad you brought up rotoscope because that is pretty much how this movie was made and if you're not familiar with roto- what rotoscoping is it's basically just taking um, real life movements so like say like you filmed like somebody doing an action or whatever and then somebody just paints over it and that so the motions looks a lot more human like but uh it's like a human it, it, it it's one of the very ways you could do an animated movie where like actual humans act out the roles yeah yeah and it, you kind of get the lip movements right and down everything because it's all painted over and it has a really interesting look to it a look that i've always liked i don't know rotoscoping just looks interesting because i know a lot of people will say like oh what's the point of rotoscoping if you're just copying but it does have a distinct style it doesn't look entirely lifelike it does look like a cartoon character but just maybe a little more fluid i, I don't know i think it gives it a, a flair i'm to me, it's like if it's when it's done well, it's you know I, I I really appreciate it, but I definitely have seen some bad ones where I'm just like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I would have gone with a different animation. I wouldn't use yeah. it as an all you know like for everything definitely. But this one it works well because they use a lot of like real life concert footage. They use a lot of uh, real life people, and this is Ralph Bakshi's probably most serious movie and. Yeah. We, you know, you and I kind of talked about it before is that it's not one, like he's very hit or miss. And some of it is just like, some of his other movies are just so stupid and so crude in my Mm -hmm. opinions that I just, that I'm like, did not like at all. Like some of the other ones he even made after this one, like Fire and Ice is probably one of the most boring things I sat through. (laughs) But, but it's a, the reason why I say that is because, you know, he, you know, directors kind of look for their legacy. And this one for me is like, this is a movie you can hang your hat on and be like, yeah, "Yeah, this is, this is something I would to, he should get be lauded for. Yeah. I, I, I think this movie is a 
is a hidden masterpiece and i think it was definitely like solidified for me when i watched this again there was something about it where it all came together we we you know we said this before but i'll say it again this movie it's so good it's so big it's got a big idea it's an epic it would be like a three-hour epic otherwise uh, in live action but and I'm not saying that as a negative because I think animation is perfect for this story as well. And we'll kind of get into that, but it, this movie's huge. It's huge in scope. And I actually think it works with it very well. I, I hardly have any issues with this movie. I know. And I don't, I mean, this is another instance where I was like, you know, I, I could see this movie being an hour longer or like us getting to spend a oh, little more too. time, yeah. spending a little more time with some of these other characters. Cause I mean, the main plot point is that it starts as a young boy, as a Russian immigrant, a Jewish boy, mm-hmm. and he comes to America with his mother and four generations of his family. So he kind of starts that generation coming over from America and it's just showing all that. And each family member is kind of getting to that point of stardom, but there's usually some type of like tragic circumstance or something that prevents them from getting yeah. to that superstardom it's kind of like uh, living the um, trying to live the american dream of you know taking your skills being rich and famous but it never quite worked out for anybody in this family it's just a, a family that has dealt with a lot of hardship um and if this sounds like doesn't sound like a cartoon to you i understand uh well what i find i think what i really like about this compared to his other work right you talked about it being rude crude uh most of his other stuff this is like what I think of mature animation would be not like, oh, look, we can do something so gross and in your face. It's like we can tell just real life stories and give them to you. And it has to be done in cartoon. And I think it's done so well in cartoon because each generation, you don't have to hire somebody new. You don't have to hire somebody that looks may look completely different. They're able to make it so the family looks right. And we can go through almost a hundred years in time just seamlessly. Yeah. And the, the one thing that he does, he does this in a lot of his movies, but, and like stuff like this, it, it works really well. Where like, they'll get real life footage, like as a background um, sometimes, or they'll, mm-hmm get like a photo and that'll be the background or mm-hmm. there or they'll just paint like this super detailed like painting like background and they're just like yeah, yeah like that it's the background or although or, or they'll just get like something super abstract but yeah that's the background yeah yeah this movie is really interesting i think that's what's cool about it too it uses a lot of mixed stuff it doesn't have like one animation style like i know this is late in the movie but i think about like it cuts from rotoscope characters to just like a still drawing of people like talking it, it and it has those pictures of real people throughout it or sometimes there won't be a background it'll just be a big black screen and you only see the characters in it it's always doing something interesting it never like never wants to be one thing it always just likes to pop around and do something cool yeah and they they explain ralph actually explained to in an interview that how much work like this goes into here and he was just showing like this he had this huge stack of papers on the desk that's you know probably like a foot tall and you're just he's like that right there he said that's about three months worth of an animator doing hard work and that's probably going to only be about 10 seconds of the movie 
absolutely insane the work that they put in. No, no wonder we moved to CG. <laughs> yeah, I mean, though, I mean, I understand. I mean, it's not cost effective really to do an animated movie, but at the same time, I it's almost becoming like a lost art form. It and, is, yeah. And I, which is sad because the times they have made 2D animations or like they've gone back and done it, I've always been like, oh, wow, that worked out really well. And I'd like to see more of that, but it just, yeah. it takes so long. I mean, and when you think about it, like they've changed it, how they've done it now, but like even like the Simpsons or whatever, like it would take, I think they said from like concept to it being up, like airing on television, it could take up from like nine months to a year. So yeah, it could <laughs> just for a 30 minute cartoon. So just think of it that way. Like if you're trying to reference something culturally relevant by the time that it airs, it's already like old news. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. That sounds like a tough job to deal with. Um, I wonder how long this movie took to make. I, I never got to look they, into that. They said two and a half years is what two he said. Years. Wow, that now that is a uh, that's a labor of love to really focus that much time into a movie, and it shows. Yeah, I, I totally and agree. It it does show. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Ralph Bakshi. I mean, he takes a lot of his own personal experiences. He himself, he's a Jewish man, and the character is like a Jewish family, so it mm-hmm. does have like a lot of some of the characters of him in there. And um, the thing, though, uh, that's probably the biggest star of the whole movie though is you know this is a musical but it it does have like the evolution of music starting from like the early uh, 20th century up until the movie ends which is about the 80s yeah yeah and you get to see a lot of different kinds of music um you know if somebody now you know it gets a little more recognizable as time gets further but you know, it's got really just like classic, like 1900 sounding music from the beginning, you know, vaudeville stuff. And it's, it's crazy. I really like the first story. So it's a movie pretty much made of four stories, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but the first one's really cool about the, the young boy who kind of gets brought up almost through the mafia and grows up around like a vaudeville setting. Um, and he, he learns to sing um, through there. But he kind of loses that over time as he gets older, uh, you know, kind of one the very start of like, I could have had something, but it, it just left me kind of deal. Yeah, I that's that's kind of like it's setting the tone for that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think it works really well doing these kind of episodic type of uh, mm-hmm parts to the movie because that's how Ralph actually kind of operates a lot of times in yes. the other movies, which we mentioned. It'll be like, oh, well here's this scene that's kind of related to the plot, but not really. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's, it's like four separate stories, like you said, and it's like each person has their own beginning and end to their story, which is works really well uh, for this type of atmosphere. I really do like the first part though, like you said too, where his name is Zalmi mm-hmm. and uh, he, it just it shows him like, trying to become like a, a singer then he has to become a comic but then when that doesn't work out then he just he goes full-blown mafia guy and yeah and uh that kind of leads into uh his wife getting 
uh, murdered during like gang yeah. violence. What a what a great moment that that scene. I, I don't know. There's something about it where he get she gets the package. It's like, oh, you bought me pretzels, and then yeah. it, it, and he's like, he just gets up like, oh, put it away, and then and then it explodes, and then it transitions into his son being older. You know, kind of uh, doesn't talk or anything. It just uh, you know, doesn't show the aftermath, but it kind of shows what happens just a lot later. Yeah, and if anything. Um... If any part in this movie needed to be longer, um, I actually think it's the second part of the movie. I was going to say the exact same thing, actually. Yeah, because it's uh, his son named Benny, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, he actually has like immense talent when it comes to playing the piano, and he's kind of like at that point where he could be a star, but he doesn't. He's not necessarily pushing for it because his dad's like a big mafia guy, mm-hmm. and he's like. I don't want even want this like and and he in fact he hates him his dad being in the mafia so much that he actually enlists and goes into World War II. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's an interesting way to look at it. It's kind of like squandered talent because it seemed like he was an incredible piano player, and it's kind of like I don't really want to use this talent, you know. Um, and then he, yeah, it, this part is, I think, just a little too short. I would have liked more development because it would have made his death even sadder because he does end up dying in a great moment. This is a moment that I think about a lot, actually, outside of this movie. It's such a great, great scene. It's mm-hmm. just uh, he's playing a piano and a Nazi soldier just kind of sneaks up on him and he could have easily killed him right there, but he lets him finish playing the piano and he's just like, Oh, Danka. And then he just kills him right there. And it's, it's a great moment. Um, and yeah. there, it's just, it's probably like the scene I think about a lot. This yeah. One. yeah. And it, that this part in particular, when he's at war, I, I just think is like, shows the power of like, I guess this team that worked on this, um, because the framing is really good. I, I like when they, people draw some, you see some animated movies where it's pretty, you know, just like a landscape, you know, the characters, but this, they almost use it like a, like a camera. Like everything is framed in broken windows or through broken buildings. It's not, yep. you know, it's not very plain, you know, it, there's a lot to look at. Oh yeah. And just like the sky that they used and like the foxholes that they have and, mm-hmm just so detailed and just the backgrounds and yeah I, you know it just it's like no wonder this movie took over two years to make <laughs> yeah um but you know after that the, it's the third plot line that is the i think the focal point of this movie and i want to say that's probably because that's the when we look at Bakshi's other movies he really looks fondly on the 50s and 60s um and that's where he likes to go back to so i think that's probably why this gets a lot of focus but not saying that that's a bad thing i think you get some great music here and it's and it's it's a great story too oh yeah i mean you get jefferson airplane mm-hmm. uh, jimmy hendrix um a lot of really great 60s singers and oh and another reference you know we we, we referenced that uh, jimmy hendrix and uh our zombie uh pestilence oh, 90. that's right <laughs> i forgot the the zombie of jimmy hendrix yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so, funny so i mean this one it's like his it's benny's son tony and he become he's super super angry guy all the time and yeah like he just come he just like he's yelling at his family at all times he's got a real bad temper but he's 
probably like the least musically gifted out of everyone in his family, but yeah, he, he can definitely, he knows how to write a good song. Yeah. Yeah. That's his strength. It's just writing, getting his emotions out. Cause I think that's what it is. He's just an angry guy. He's dealt with a lot, right? His dad died in war. His, he's probably deals with like his grandpa because there's a whole plot line where he starts talking, you know, he, he's a part of the mafia, but he ends up talking in front of like a, a ratting, people out so he's to deal with his grandpa being a rat and like it, it, it definitely is a lot and he ends up running away um and it's not even a lot about music at first well that's now yeah because he sees the beat poetry that's what he's mostly focused on is people doing the poetry in front of everybody um but one of the the lamest parts of this movie and i think it's supposed to be lame because that's the whole joke is him he goes to Kansas and he runs in the girl at the diner and he's in the cornfield like oh this place is so corny <laughs> yeah. yeah Kansas is corny yeah candy corn you got cracker jacks yeah. can I can you eat it can you lay in it <laughs> I don't know it was just an interesting choice but it's it's a corny corny dialogue scene I guess it makes sense it's a uh... It, it's a it's a funny moment and he that's that's kind of what his deal is is that he just you know so the, another thing too ralph bakshi does in a lot of movies is he has like characters that are kind of speaking nonsense but yeah that's kind of related to and that's yeah. that's kind of what this guy tony does like he just kind of speaks in like these I mean, he's not like incoherent, you know what he's saying, but it's just kind of like, like, why would he say it like that? Like, why would he yeah. say that? Like, but it, it is related to the plot point. And um, like, I, I, I but it, it is, I think it's like that type of stuff is actually kind of endearing as a character. And like, that's where mm -hmm. like he meets like a waitress and it's implied that they like have sex and everything. Yeah. So I, I think it's what makes him a likable character because Otherwise, he could be really unlikable. This character makes a lot of bad choices and stuff like that. And he's really angry. But it's those moments that you can kind of care a little more about the character. Yeah. And that's when it kind of delves into like that 60s mindset where people are just living real fast, like doing drugs and like uh, just partying constantly. It's uh, mm -hmm. like... Uh, he does have a love interest in here it, uh, named Frankie, and it's heavily implied that she's the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane or or like a Janis yeah. Joplin type of that, singer. That's what I got out of it, yeah. And I, that's, I mean, it, like all these famous Jefferson Airplane songs or, that are in here, it's uh, implied that Tony wrote all these songs. Like, mm -hmm. so that's like those bands don't exist, but like all the songs in here exist in the movie, but it was like, it was done by like a completely different band or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and, and well, and they actually kind of shoot their way up in stardom. Um, but he, I guess he just doesn't handle it very well. And he gets really sucked into the drug culture. And I think this is probably like the, I think this moment's really painful. I hate seeing this is whenever he gets the lead singer hooked on heroin and it's like a whole drug binge and they're happy together. But of course it's a horrible thing going on. It, it's hard yeah. to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a, uh, but shot really well. Cause it has like a lot of these psychedelic type of moments where it's yeah. like, like, like they're the shapes of their bodies are changing or 
Mm-hmm. So these super multicolored backgrounds going on. Yes, um, yeah. Or like a fish islands almost where they're kind of coming at the camera. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tony, uh, he just, he kind of becomes like this tragic figure because he uh, he's the closest, but up until this point in the movie, he's like the closest member of his family to get to stardom because mm-hmm. the, the band does, they shoot up like the billboard charts, but he's, uh, but he's just such, he's so wrapped up in his uh, own world and drugs. Like he's uh, just, he can't even like control himself. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's just so addicted. And that's, and it, this movie or his plot line does, doesn't have an happy ending. He never, he never really gets out of that. You don't even know what happens to him really. I mean, yeah. just, it, so the the big uh, the big plot point is like uh, he like a little boy like starts following him around mm-hmm. and he's got the same blonde hair that the waitress was that he had sex with and mm-hmm. I think he kind of puts two and two together when he sees them and it's not it's not really told though like how this boy like knows that he's his dad or like or anything I'm guessing like his yeah. mom told him or like he ran away from his mom maybe. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. It, it just kind of he shows up and it's like you're supposed to make the connection that they're, you know, that's his child. It, it doesn't it, it doesn't really explain that. I don't think it really has to. It makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they kind of pal around for a while and Tony just s- steals from the kids, steals the kids guitar, s- pawns it and leaves this kid basically just to fend for himself. Just like you know see i'm out of here yeah you never you never see him again yeah he just like some guy comes back gives gives him money and is like hey uh he says bye and then that's it you know um and i think that's where the i love the ending of this movie i know you love the ending of this movie um because I, i think this is where this kid decides like after all these generations of you know misuse of talent and everything everything going to squandering i think this kid finally has decided i'm gonna change that i'm actually do something so it 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 ends up being really good yeah so it's what i really like about this because this is honestly like one of my favorite endings to a movie that Mm -hmm. i've seen and what i really love about it is that you kind of get the sense. So like, like I said, he was abandoned by his father, like the only parental figure he has, he ends up staying in New York and you don't see him, but like in one scene, he's a kid and the next scene, he's a much older man. Yeah. So you already get the impression that he's been kind of having to fight for everything. And he's been like a fighter this whole time and he's been fighting for whatever he wants. And he ends up like it's implied, you know, he be, had to become like a drug dealer and everything, but he still hasn't given up on the talent. And he's, he's kind of inherited a lot of the talents like that his dad. And then like previous generations had, like, he's a phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. He can write his own songs. Um, and he's got this great presence as well. So the final scene, which I will describe is, you know, him going to a recording studio and, I really like, I always recite these lines back, but he's just like, 
Pizza man, we deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love the way like, he talks. He just gets, he has like that super cool, like early, I don't know, it's like an 80s kind of macho yeah. deal going on. <laughs> he's like, and they're like, hey man, you got the Coke? He's like, what I look like, man, a soda fountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, there's good. And he calls it like candy and stuff. Um, I don't want to be no candy man no more. (laughs) I had been running and Mm -hmm. fighting for you turkeys for three years now. So, I mean, like when you listen to that dialogue, though, it's like he's saying like his whole like past, like he's he's been having to fight just for an opportunity just to even get heard. And he's been like basically being this like drug mule or whatever you (laughs) want to call it, just to just to even get in the same room as these musicians yeah. that's that, going on right now. That's so eighties because he refuses to give them cocaine and they're like, no, 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 we'll give you whatever you want. Just oh. please give us the drugs. Oh yeah. They are like, <laughs> please give us the drugs. <laughs> yeah, we'll do anything. But it, that's the whole deal is it's like, I either give you the drugs and you let me play a song or I walk out and they let him play, play his song. Um, well, what I like, what I really like about that part, though, is like I said, he's been fighting for the same time, but you kind of realize, too, that he's also really desperate at this yes. point yeah. because he's been wanting just one opportunity. And at first he's like, I want you guys to play my song. And they're like, no way. And he's like, oh, well, then I want you to record it. Like, no. And he's like, and they're like, OK, We'll we'll let we'll listen to you play one song. So they're only giving this guy like one shot to just just play this song. Like, and he's just like, all right, all right, one, I'll do it. Like, you know, he's just like, I, I, he's just like, I'm begging for one shot here. Yeah, yeah. And he he does get it, and it's such a great great triumphant moment because he plays Bob Seger's Night Moves. Yeah, which is an amazing song. It's an amazing song. It fits this yeah. moment so well because he's been fighting on the street this whole life and he's just talking about, you know, making night moves and things like that. And <laughs> it works so well. And to me, you know, that's, you know, they start turning on the recording equipment like, oh my, you know, like, this guy is great. And, yeah. And then it shows him playing in front of a giant stadium show. So he, it's like he made it. He finally, yeah. like, somebody in the family is finally a superstar now. Yeah, yeah, they finally did it. Um, and I, this might be a tangent, I don't know, but I we watched the Siskel and Ebert review before this, and Siskel's whole thing was that he was Bob Seger in the end. And I'm like, why did, how, did you watch the rest of the movie? They used other people's songs the whole time. That I didn't, yeah, I was like, he, Gene Siskel was like, was like, yeah, so are they saying that this guy is Bob Seger? And I'm like, no, no like what what and then even, i'm yeah. glad because roger ebert called him out on it. he's like no it's clearly like bob seeger is not like a thing in this real in this world or whatever you know it's like yeah but, it's all fantasy almost yeah yeah but that's but that anyway that's just it's such a great moment because it's mm-hmm. it's so triumphant that it's like this probably took this family like 80 years before yeah somebody got really famous and it's it's shown that you know the american dream is you know it doesn't happen overnight but it is a real thing like any like almost anybody can become famous 
yeah yeah through hard work and perseverance uh and yeah and you get to see the end of the movie is pretty much like a concert movie almost he plays like blue suede shoes and stuff like that it's got like cool effects this is probably when it's the least animated because you can really tell that it's real people playing into the camera and stuff uh yeah, yeah well that's that one's more or less like it's it's real footage like put over a filter so yeah exactly um you know yeah it's it's like you said that's the right word triumph it's just a triumphant end for a big movie and this sounds huge this movie's only 90 minutes i don't know how they packed so much into this movie in 90 minutes like you said i would have taken another hour but even at 90 minutes i still think it covers all the bases very well (laughs) yeah like i said i would have you know maybe like tacked on like you could probably tack on like another 10 or 15 minutes to like each other part. And then maybe even like that second part, maybe add like another 20 minutes even. So yeah. I mean, it, I could have easily have seen something like that, but um, it works very well. Um, it's one of those that leaves you money more type of thing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I, this to me is like Ralph Bakshi's like magnum opus. Like this is like the one where, like oh yeah this is your firing on all cylinders here for me and mm-hmm. and then after this one though i mean he goes back to kind of like what he's done before with the movie uh, hey good looking and which in my opinion is it's, not very good that's one of his worst actually in my opinion yeah. yeah yeah i'm i'm not a fan of that one and to me it's kind of like uh like i really wish you would have done something more like yeah. more grounded in reality and something that looked a little better and then he did like i said fire and ice which is like a like a mystic like a fantasy type of story but again that one's just a lot of very gratuitous like butt shots and like mm-hmm. just a lot of a lot of stuff that, that, that just did not work for me and just very boring like characters and stuff so yeah. i i really wish he would have done some type of something else that was like uh american pop like yeah i know it's really sad because like you look at his career and i mean he has good movies but american pop is the only one that i'd say that is like that in his filmography lord of the rings is maybe the closest but that's a fantasy film um it i don't know it's definitely just the shining example of one great talent the talent that actually did and he fired on all cylinders for this one um American Pop is probably one of my favorite movies, favorite new discoveries that we've talked about. And uh, I definitely think you like as a listener, I think you should check it out. I think it's an awesome part of animation history. I don't think it gets enough due. Like I've been interested in this movie, but I hear nobody talking about it. It's worth going back to. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's almost anything you could want for a movie. Like to me, it almost surprises me that not that they've remade this one, but they haven't done something like this. Like I really, I'm trying to think of like a movie where they do like a multi-generational type of movie where it's like, it starts in one generation and it goes on like that. To me, it's like a concept that probably should be done more or something I I would like to have seen more in other types of movies, like that type of concept. Like it happens, I feel like, but when it does, it's usually just two generations, right? And I think, like I said before, it's why animation lends itself so well to something like this, because hiring four generations of people and doing all that shooting and having them kind of look alike, it's tough, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like there needs to be more. Or There's not enough movies that center around the history of music over like a huge chunk of time of how like music has changed so much, like from like 
early like 1900s to the rock and roll of the 80s I, i'd love to see more of that um this movie tries for so much and usually when movies try for this much it doesn't work but somehow it works here yeah i it it, it does work a lot i mean like you know and i think sometimes a lot of it can be like I don't want to say pandering, but it's like, they're like, oh, well, we have to talk about these songs because they're popular or whatever. Yeah. And, and, but this one, I mean, Ralph actually is like, like actually like a huge fan of like sixties and those types of like the, the hip, the hippie movement or whatever. He's, yeah, he's, he's put that in his movies a lot. So I, you know, to me, it's like, okay, that one gets a pass because that's probably what he was listening to a lot at the time. So, exactly. um, but yeah, I fully recommend that you check this out. It's definitely one that um, you should see. I mean, there's like I said before, it's not it's not crude, it's not lewd or anything like that. Like it's other movies that are very not for kids. This one, you know, I it's a uh, there's some drug use and violence in here, but it's definitely pretty tame compared to a lot of his other work. So totally, uh, I but I give this probably one of my highest recommendations that we've done before yeah yeah for sure um check it out definitely but uh we do appreciate you enjoying joining us on this ride for a year Um, yeah (laughs) no thank thank you all for the support like when i started this i we don't have the biggest audience of course but when i started this i had no expectations that we would have people even emailing us constantly listening listening you know the support that we've gotten from everybody has been has been awesome yeah if you've listened to us if you're a regular listener or you're just checking us out for the first time i mean we we definitely appreciate you just coming here and joining us you know we we we're doing this because it's fun for us and you know we want to make sure you guys are having a good time too so whether you're a patron, not a patron, or you, like I said, you just, you just listen every week. That's, Hey, we appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you, but thank you. Um, Nathan, what are we going to be talking about next time? Well, I think it's pretty fitting that next time, uh, right after a year anniversary, we're heading right into another week of James Bond and Godzilla. So I told you, I told you that James Bond would return in Thunderball. So we are going to be talking about Thunderball next week. I thought we were going to be talking about a different movie. Oh, we were. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We're skipping ahead to Quantum of Solace. I felt like (laughs) jumping around a little. (laughs) Well, perfect. We will. uh, Yeah. If you want to check out Thunderball is on Prime, Prime. I believe. It's on Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Um, it should be a fun time. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, and while Twitter is still a thing, you could follow us at DIDF Pod. Um, please send us an email at drive in double feature podcast at gmail.com. Again, don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash drive in double feature. But a very sincere until next time. Until next time. Muko man's here. What do you got for us? Oh, man, do we need you? Hey, if anybody has blow in this town, my man will. You got the coke, daddy-o? What do I look like, man? A soda fountain? And what else you got there?
thoughts. You scorn songs now, too? Giving them away. A song announced. By who? Me. You can keep the songs, man. I will keep the coat, too. Wait, wait, don't go away. Come back here. Come back. What is it? I have been running and fetching for you bunch of punks for three years now, and I don't want to be no candy man no more. You want more money? It's not the money, man. Fine, we'll get someone else. Do it. No, come on. All right, Pete, what do you want? I want you to play one of my songs. Play? You mean record it? Dig it. No way, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, man. We'll listen to one. One? Just one. Okay. Okay. Pass them out, turkey. Hey. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs>